Oh, yeah. Somebody shout, yeah. Tell your neighbors, it's got my name on it. Hallelujah. This revival's got my name on it. Tell your neighbor, say, I am the revival. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Brother Trevor leaned over to me and said, uh, you may not be able to preach tonight. I leaned back over and said, I'm used to it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister Carson, for obeying the Holy Ghost. My, 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 my. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, let me just, wow, what in the praise team and the choir. Wasn't that awesome? Thank you for leading us, all the musicians. God bless you so much. And uh, what I like about these wonderful people is they don't just come and put on a performance. But they come here early and they pray and they ask God for anointing. And there is a huge difference with performers and anointed vessels. And I thank God, I thank God for what he's doing here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and let me just say it again, it's a great honor to be here. And I salute your pastor and first lady. Uh, my friends, I love them and appreciate them. The only problem that I have with them, we don't get to spend enough time together. And uh, our lives are very busy, their lives are busy, but we're always considered a great honor to be here. So thank you, Pastor Williams, for your confidence in us and um, allowing us to come be a part of great revival that is happening in the Rock Church. Amen? Amen. Uh, if you enjoyed Sister Carson, that's just kind of like an appetizer, I guess. But uh, she speaks and does ladies' conferences all over the United States and even internationally. Uh, she's spoken at ladies' conference in Brazil and Argentina, and God has used her. She's uh, spoken in Mauritius and just everywhere, Madagascar. Uh, God has used her in a great way. I do have some of her conference uh, CDs out in the foyer area, and some of them are on DVD. Uh, some of them are CDs you can play in your, in your car when you're traveling. I know everything's going to digital, but we still got a few CDs left around. So if you want something like that, and stop by. My daughter and my son will be back there after service, and you can take some of those conferences home with you. And uh, some of our conferences got canceled this year. And uh, I was glad to see I tuned into the Rock Church and now have a youth conference. And, and uh, I was like, come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was wanting to be here in flesh. But I couldn't be here. But I was here in spirit, and I got to tune in a little bit. And y'all always do it right, and I appreciate it. First Samuel chapter 17, and I want to begin at verse number 1. The Bible said, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Soka, which belongeth, watch, it belongeth to Judah. The enemy had gathered their armies to battle in a place that belonged to Judah. And Saul and his men, men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. 
And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. Then he had one that went before him, bearing a shield that went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man. Choose a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be not able to fight with me and to kill me, then if he's able to do it, he said, We will then be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. Can I just pause right there to tell you that there's a lot of stake in this battle. It's a lot at stake. So, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed. And greatly afraid. And I simply want to preach a little bit tonight simply about the battlefield. The battlefield. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us a little bit tonight in this place. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for these great people of God. Lord, you know what they are facing. You know what they've been up against. You know the war that is raging over the minds and hearts of your people. Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, to speak clearly to them right now. And I ask you, Lord, to give us a lasting, surpassing victory over some spirits that we are fighting even right now. I thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I got my war clothes on because I'm on the battlefield. God bless you. you. may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The first thing that we have got to admit and remind ourselves is there is a battle. Tell your neighbor, say, there is a battle. Therefore, knowing that there is a battle, we come to the conclusion that there is a real enemy. This enemy doesn't like you. This enemy has one goal in mind. It's destruction. This enemy is not interested in negotiation. This enemy is not interested in capitulation. This enemy is not interested in you just kind of half-heartedly being here or there or maybe get a breakthrough, and then, you know, no, he wants utter, total destruction. He's after your marriage. 
He's after your children. He's after your mind. He's at, hey, the devil doesn't need any of those things. He just likes to come, and the Bible said he's come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. There is a real enemy, and you have then got to understand that it is not necessarily personal. However, it affects us personally. You have to remind yourself that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Because if you don't, you will fight people and you will struggle with people. And you will struggle with things and you will struggle with emotion and you will struggle with your feelings. But the Bible is very clear. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The last time I checked, my feelings came out of flesh and blood. They originated in me. But that's not where the battle is. I have a real adversary. I have a real devil that is a real entity that I am fighting. Uh, and he doesn't like me, but I've got news for him. The feelings are mutual. I don't like him either. Uh, and I am on a mission uh, that I will win this battle that we're in. Oh, yes. Tell your neighbor, say it's real. It's real. See, the Bible says that the enemy had moved into an area that belonged to Judah. I don't have to tell you what Judah means. We all understand that Judah means praise. And so in other words, the enemy had moved into a place where I should have been praising and I should have been victorious and I should have been overcoming and I should have had my joy and my peace. Uh, but the enemy had moved into that place. Do I got any witnesses here that would say there are times the enemy will try to move in on a place that he doesn't belong. Uh, you've got to recognize it. Uh, and the moment you see your enemy start setting up camp uh, in your place of your life, uh, you need to start getting your arm together uh, and say, I'm not going to tolerate this. Uh, I'm not going to sit here idle. Uh, I'm not going to sit here on my hands. Uh, I'm ready to fight you. I got my war clothes on, uh, and I'm ready to fight in this battle. Oh, hallelujah. So the enemy moved into that place that used to belong. So he's trying to take territory. The Bible says that it was between the two armies, there was a valley called the Valley of Elah. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about Elah. You can preach a lot of great things about Elah. But I just want to remind you that battles are not fought on the mountains. The enemy's gonna wait till you're in a valley. That's where he wants to confront you. He knows when you're on mountaintop, don't be messing with them. They will cut you up there. Oh, I need some real folks. Don't 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 be messing with them when they when they when they coming out of Sunday night service. You, you might want to hit them on Thursday. 
after they've been in the valley and in the trenches all week long. Wait till they haven't rubbed shoulders with other believers. And, uh, you know, they've kind of had a week full of crazy. It was in the valley of Elah. Your greatest victories will always be won in the valleys of your life. See, it's in the valley that you are tested and tried. It's in the valley that your faith is tried the most. You will face the greatest giants of your life in valley experiences. And it was here in the valley of Elah that Goliath appears. Where's he been all of this time? You know, the guy's not hard to miss. But he waits and appears in the valley of Elah. Have you ever got into a low place in your life and things appeared that you, you never knew existed? Things manifested that you was like, uh, uh, where did that come from? Now you have to understand that valleys is what exposes those things. And so you can look at valleys more than one way. You can look at valleys as a place of discovery. Because at least now I know what I'm fighting. See, at least now it's not in the darkness. It's not hiding in a closet somewhere. See, knowing what your enemy is gives you greater confidence uh, because you can size them up. But when it's completely dark and you're not sure what's hiding, But valleys will expose your enemy. It emboldens him. And he will appear out of nowhere, this Goliath. You see, Goliath is the biggest man they have ever seen. I mean, Saul is a big guy, comparably. The average guy is like 5'7". Saul was a head and shoulders taller of all the men of his country. So when Saul came in the room, it was automatically. They were looking up to him. So Saul was the biggest guy up to this point that they had ever witnessed. But Goliath? I mean, they say that Saul possibly was 6'4", 6'5". Maybe six, eight. But Goliath? He's a 10 footer. This guy's nine plus. I mean, I want him when we play three on three. I'm picking that guy. He don't have to be able to dribble, he don't have to be able to shoot, he just gets in the way. You could just use him to bump people out of your way so you can take a three-point shot. You don't, he don't, he's just that big. He's, he's big enough to instill fear in your opponent, opponent. He's big enough just to show up, and the guys are like, I don't know if I want to play them. This is the biggest problem they've ever faced. Do I got any witnesses in here? 
Is there anybody in this room that's facing some stuff? Some big thing. I'm not talking about hangnail. I'm not talking about, well, they said they didn't like me. They took me off of Facebook. No, no, come on now. Quit your whining about stupid stuff. I need some people that said, no, Goliath just showed up, and it's intimidating. It's ugly. It's bad. This is the biggest thing I've ever faced. This is the biggest problem. This is the biggest storm. This is the darkest night. Goliath has appeared. I mean, Goliath was a man. Goliath's coat of mail weighed anywhere from 125 to 194 pounds. That's just the coat of mail he put on. He's wearing another man. I mean, you don't mess with him. This guy is unbelievable. His spear is, the Bible says, the size of a weaver's beam. And that goes, because we don't even know what a weaver's beam is. Brother, I had to look that up. And I, somewhere in the back of my mind, I remember my father taking me to this festival where it was like, I don't know if it was medieval times or what. It was way back because they had weaver's beams there. Because they had weavers. You can't have weavers without weaver beams. And this dude was weaving this rug or blanket, whatever. I don't even know what it was. But I remembered the wood that that thing, the contraption. And so that sparks up. And I said, what, what is a weaver's beam? What, what? When you talk about a spear the size of a weaver, that don't mean nothing to us. Because to others said, it was a spear the size of a mop handle. You get that. You know, you, if you, so I'm like, okay, what, what, what size is that? It was a beam that was approximately two to two and a half inches in diameter. I mean, most of you couldn't even grip it. On the end of it, it had a spearhead that weighed anywhere from 17 to 23 pounds. If it hit you, it went through you. You don't throw a spear like that and say, oh, that hurt. No, you lose a leg. I mean, it's like. When you feel a breeze through that one. I mean, if the spear don't get you, it can just knock you out. It can fall on you. It's like, I'm like I give, I give. It's on my ankle. This guy was massive. He had a helmet of brass. Helmet of brass. I mean, you, you, you know good and well it wasn't all nasty. You know it was shining. Like, man, when the sun hit it, it looked like an extra sun had appeared on the horizon. This guy was intimidating. And the Bible says that they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, the word dismayed there means to break them down. You ever just, something come in your life and it was like, oh boy. They didn't have to say nothing, just the sight of it unraveled you. It meant to beat down by confusion and fear. 
It meant to discourage you. Just viewing him discouraged them. Just viewing him beat them down. They were afraid. And the word afraid there doesn't just mean I'm scared. It actually meant to be in awe of him. Whoa. That's the biggest dude I ever seen. Look how strong he is. It actually meant to cause astonishment or to inspire reverence. Now, you know your enemies got you when you start admiring them. And it said it had two effects on them. They either were broke down and so terrified and afraid, or they were like, man, we need that guy. I like him. They started admiring him. Verse 16 says, the Philistines drew near in the morning and the evening for 40 days, which tells me that your enemy is patient and your enemy is not worried about getting you the first time it shows up in your life. It doesn't mean that he's just going to try to attack you once, but no, he's coming day after day after day because he's trying to wear down your resolve. Uh, he's trying uh, to whittle away at your prayer time. Uh, he's trying his best uh, to confuse you out of praising God. Uh, he's trying his best uh, to weave a, a web in your mind uh, to lie after lie after lie. Forty days. The Bible says that Delilah pressed Samson daily with her words. It didn't happen, Brother Kendrick, on the first date. That's why I would admonish some of you young people about who you hang with and who you socialize with and where you go with them because it may not happen on the first date uh, and it may not happen in the first encounter. I need some help up in here. It may not happen at the first time, but if you go day as something is going to happen in your spirit and deception will come and you will start accepting things that are crazy. Do you realize how irrational Samson became with this woman? Now listen, if I wake up and I'm all tied up, we're going to have to talk about our relationship. And I got a bunch of guys around me that's ready to whoop me. Me and Sister C got to talk. We got to get some counseling. Because I missed something somewhere. You know what the craziest thing to me is? It didn't happen once. That's how deceived you can become in the wrong relationship. Love not the world, uh, neither the things that are in the world. Uh, because when you get connected with that, when you join up with that, it will mess with your spirit and cause you to start awing. Oh, oh, look at that. Oh, I want that. Oh, I need that. Reverencing something you should have cursed. Daily with her words. 
That's why you, there's just some things you don't need to read. You don't need to read it. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm just, this is me. Is that okay? I'm not setting a standard for nobody here. Pastor Williams trusts me because he knows I'm not here to hurt nobody. But for me, I don't have certain social things, medias and what have you. Number one, I really don't care what you think or say about what I'm doing. But if I read what you say about me, I might start caring. If you start saying that tie, he just started that tie, just don't get it. That's gonna bother me. I won't be wearing that tie no more. I might not be strong. See, it might start off real, real, real small. But if I listen and I entertain the wrong voices for the wrong time and the wrong place and for the wrong season, I, something can happen that changes my direction, changes my resolve, changes my conviction. So I caution you, you be careful. Be careful what you connect yourself to. We didn't used to have to preach that. We just had to preach, don't be hanging out with them. Don't get hooked up with them because, see, we believe that, that human connections tied you to people. And the spirits that they have could get off on you. They could affect you. And so we'd say, you don't need to be hanging out with them. I don't want you going. We'd tell our kids, don't, you ain't going out with them. That's old school. My mom would say, uh, no, you ain't going to their house. You know what I said to my kids? No, you, no, you, they can't have your number. Why? Because connections. But we have entered into what I believe personally as a new dimension of connectivity. And whether we realize it or not, the spirit realm has to have avenues and doorways into your life. And whether you ever meet them personally, whether you ever shake their hand, whether you ever have a physical encounter with them, if you connected them just through words, uh, it may be electronically, but the spirits that are going on and back and forth can have access into your mind. Your mind is a doorway. See, now through science, we're realizing more and more when the Bible is talking about the heart, it's actually talking about the mind. Which is why the adversary is putting so much out there to come against your mind, to occupy your mind, to get into the way you think, uh, the way you act, the way you talk. It's all about programming your mind because if I get the mind, then I've got the heart. Delilah got his head before she got his heart. So you got to be careful what you connect to. You got to be careful what you connect to. So here they were in the valley of Eli. And the Bible says 
fighting with the Philistines. I, I read that and I was like, there ain't nothing going on. But the Bible says that they were in the valley of Eli. Saul and his men, verse 19, Saul and his men were in the valley of Eli fighting with the Philistines. But there was no swords drawn. Everybody's just standing there staring at each other. But the Bible said the battle was, they were fighting. See, they were not fighting physically. But they, the fighting had begun. Because the battleground is always starts in the mind. That's why the Holy Ghost interrupted everything this morning. To let us know there is a battle going on in your mind. Uh, but I've come to set your mind free. I've just come back to put a little tag on the end of that. And remind you that the battleground, you may not have no sword out. But it's already started. Uh, and it's already happening uh, by what you see and what you hear. All that was going on was a big guy was talking. And God said the battle was raging. It's already begun. Look at how big he is. Look how strong. Man, we're not big enough for this. We weren't trained for this. Sound familiar? The cities are walled. The people are great. There are giants in the land. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So we were in their sight. They weren't even fighting yet, but they were fighting. And the enemy was whispering. You're not big enough. Not strong enough. You're not able. You don't have the proper training. He's a lot stronger than you. He's a lot bigger than you. Oh, he's been doing this a long time. They call him the assassin. They only bring him out. He's an intimidating force. There's always two viewpoints. There's always people that say, we are well able to overcome. And then there's the other viewpoint that says we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And so the enemy wants to either paralyze you with fear, and the enemy wants to kind of get you spellbound either by fear or by awe. We understand what it would be like to be paralyzed by fear. But sometimes it's not fear that gets us. The Bible said when they saw Goliath, they were in awe of him. And that can happen to us. We can look and we can see. And we look at the Hollywood stars. And we look at the sports figures. And we look at the music industry. And we become awestruck by their wealth and by their beauty and by their fame and by their money. And we can become in awe of that person that you watch and follow on Facebook. And you look and their life is so perfect. And their life, do you think that they are posting everything that's happening in their crazy world? 
Do you think that every picture that they're posting on their whatever the picture app, Instagram, what, that, that they're showing you what the life is really like in their house? Are they really showing you the hell they're going through? Are they really showing you the battle? No. They're putting on their smile. They're taking their best photo. They're taking their best caption. Uh, they're doing They're making sure the light is just right. They're making sure their clothes look good. They're making sure the angle's just right. Why? They are trying to get you to stand in awe of how good it is. And all of us are susceptible. Fear doesn't get you the spirit of all. You need to be careful in the church, looking in other directions to other churches. Man, look at what they got going on. Look at what they're doing. Oh, my. I don't know why we can't do that. I don't know why pastor don't let us go there. Listen, you got to quit getting in awe of things you may not fully understand. Uh, God is trying to speak to us uh, and say, God uh, is in control of this. Uh, and God is wanting to show you that the battle is real. It's real. got to be careful with the lies that come at you and the false images that are portrayed to you because many times when the camera goes away the tears start flowing many times whenever the lights are turned out the drinking begins because I've got to cover the pain believe how awesome they are. Man, he's so handsome. She's so beautiful. She's got it together. Let me ask you a question. Who are you worshiping? Who are we worshiping? Because the last time I checked, God said we're not to have any other gods before him. We praise and exalt things outside of God. We've shifted in what we're worshiping. And it's dangerous to start praising something other than God. Because he said, I will not share my glory with another. And what we need to do is make sure we get rid of all the other little G's in our lives. Uh, we need to start tearing away. We need to start doing some spiritual inventory and saying, God, this is about you. God, this is about your glory. Uh, this is about your presence. Uh, it's not about me. God, it's not about my image. Uh, it's not about looking good. Uh, it's not about impressing. Uh, God, I only want to impress them with the cross of Calvary. Uh, I want them to feel your glory. Uh, I want them to see your anointing. Uh, I want them to know that you are highly exalted in my life. Somebody clap their hands and give the Lord praise. So we're in a battle for our minds. And that's why there is so much stuff trying to get your attention, trying to capture your mind. 
through music, through Hollywood, through the internet, through social media, through books, through games. They're all after your mind. Battles are won and lost in the mind. Your business is going to succeed or fail according to your mind. Your marriage is going to win or it's going to die, but it's going to start in your mind. So, Brother Carson, you're oversimplifying things. I'm going to tell you, you've got to think right first. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And when the enemy starts bringing in the wrong things uh, and there's starting to be lies planted in your spirit, that's where it begins. Uh, but if you can grab a hold of the reins of your mind, uh, see, you got to show up like David did. Uh, you got to show up into the battlefield uh, while everybody else is hiding. Uh, and David's attitude was, uh, why are we hiding? Uh, we can beat this guy. Uh, we can handle this. Uh, this is no big deal. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, there's always been spirit. Uh, there's always been temptation. Uh, there's always been things to drive our attention. We can win this battle. David's attitude was, yeah, he's big, but he'll be easy to hit. You can't miss that guy. You don't even have to be a good shot, but you can hit that dude. It's all about your attitude. Where does attitude start? In your mind. You got to change the way you see it. Uh, you got to say, yeah, I'm in a valley, but I'm going to win in the valley. Uh, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to beat it here. I'm not waiting until I get out. I'm going to win right here, right now. Somebody clap and give God some praise. <laughs> Woo, Hallelujah. So David's attitude is saying, we're not going to hide. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm tired of hiding. Watch what David said. I won against a lion. I won against a bear. So who's this guy? See, you need to take the time to look back over your life and say, what have I beat in the past? Because you got to be honest enough with me to say, I know it wasn't me because I'm not big enough and I'm not strong enough. But somehow I got that lion on the ground and somehow I got that bear by the nap of the neck and I choked him down. Uh, I don't know how, it, I just know it was God that was on my side. Uh, and I didn't come up in here by myself. Uh, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I come to you with a fight in my my spirit I come to you with my war clothes on I made up in my mind somebody shout I made it up in my mind Woo! hallelujah he said your servant slew the lion and the bear so who's this guy Gotta change your attitude. Kind of gotta get your swagger back. You're talking to me. See, some of y'all got saved and cleaned up your swagger a little bit too much. You just need to change it, put it on the adversary, and say, uh, uh, "I don't think so. Not in this house. 
Oh, you might talk to them like that, but you ain't talking to me like that. You, you ain't not, not here. Oh, no, it's fixed. It's on now. I will fight you over that. You're talking about my family. You're talking about my kids. Uh, you're trying to take my marriage. Uh, you're trying to take my sanity. No, I don't think so. We're fixing a fight right now. We're fixing a handling right now. I ain't waiting another. Hey, 40 days is long enough. I said 40 days is long enough. Somebody's got to shut his mouth. Some of y'all been entertaining. You need to shut that mouth up. It's hard to talk with a fist in your mouth. You said what? I can't say nothing. I got my teeth in my mouth. Brother Carson's promoting violence. Hey, the Bible said, I can't hear you. The Bible said the violent. Give me my stuff back. You standing on our land. This spot belongs to Judah. How dare you come up into our territory and try to take our stuff. I don't think so, baby. Uh, I come in here in the name of the Lord. Uh, I come against you, not in my own strength. It's not by my might. It's not by my power. It's by his spirit. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's by his spirit. David understood, I ain't going in there by myself. See, Saul was carnal. That's why Saul said, you're going to need some help. Here, put this on, put that on. And about one version says he took a few steps and said, I, I can't do this. I got to get back to what I know. And the Bible said he just got him some stones. Put him in his pocket and said, I'm ready now. What do you mean you're ready? You can't fight that dude like that. He said, watch me. Because this ain't about me. It's about the guy that's going with me. I wish God could open your eyes uh, to see you ain't walking out there by yourself. But you got a God uh, that's fixing to take a little stone uh, and make it like a missile. And it's going to hit the biggest thing you ever faced uh, right between the eyes. Uh, and it's going to go down. Tell your neighbor, said, the biggest thing I ever faced. It's fixing to go to the ground. Oh, I wish somebody had heard that prophetic word right there. Hey, I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm trying to tell you what I felt in the Holy Ghost in prayer this afternoon. That what the biggest thing, the biggest problem, the biggest opposition you ever faced, God's fixing to help you put it on the ground. And I like it because... I don't believe that stone killed him. It didn't kill him. It just knocked him down. But David said, been here before. The Bible said he hit a lion. He smote a lion. And the lion roared again. Because you don't slap lions. If you're close enough to slap him, you better kill it. Because it's fixing to turn on you. It's fixing to get ugly. 
He said, so I smacked the lion, and the lion roared again, so I had to kill it. And so David said, I, I got that back to mine. I got a big scar on the back of my leg with that thing. Like, Aroom. He said, so while I got him on the ground, I love this. He used his sword. The thing that had your name on it. The thing that he was going to use to cut you to pieces and divide you up and make spoil of your life. David ran upon him, took the guy's own sword, and cut his head off. Tell your neighbor, say, while you got it down, finish it. And I never did understand this part. The Bible said it, he takes that greasy-headed dude by the head. I mean, that's, that's a big head. I mean, there's blood all over the place. And the Bible said he runs to Jerusalem. They were in the Valley of Eli. It's a, it's a trek. It ain't no, you know, it ain't out around the corner. He runs all the way to Jerusalem with that head. And I'm like, what is he doing? You have to go back to the book of Numbers where he's talking about everybody they conquered. It's like 54 verses of people they conquered. The very last one says, but as for the Jebusites, they were not able to drive them out. They were the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And it was the stronghold of Zion. And what David said is, I just killed the biggest thing in my life. So I'm fixing to take out the thing that's been hindering the whole country now. Ask them Jebusites. Joshua couldn't beat them. Caleb couldn't beat them. All the judges couldn't beat them. But David's in town. And if I beat the giant, I can beat you. So Jebusites, I'm just letting you know. I'll be back. Several hours later, Abner calls him in to Saul. He still got the head. He's like carrying it around. Don't mess with me. It wasn't until David becomes king, several years later, that the Bible said he goes back to Jerusalem and finishes what he started that day. What are you saying, Brother Carson? There's some things you may not overcome right now, but don't give up. You will overcome them. You might beat this devil, but there'll be another devil. It'll be another day. It'll be another battle, but you're going to beat him too. And some of them are generational. Some of you missed it, but I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Some of those spirits are generational. Joshua fought it. They couldn't get through. The next generation fought it. They had a hard time with it. And it had become a stronghold. 
But somewhere, God raises up a generation of people that says the stronghold is not going to be able to stop this generation. And you have to recognize your moment. Uh, and you have to recognize your destiny. And you have to, hey, I believe that God has brought the Rock Church to this point right here. And that there are some generational spirits, uh, not just in your family, but in this city. Can I speak to you in the Holy Ghost? In this city that you are fixing to tear down, you are fixing to see the biggest revival and the greatest harvest that you've ever seen because some Davids uh, are going to take the stronghold of Zion uh, and you are going to have a victory that nobody else has ever been able to have. Come on, if you believe that right now, I want you to lift your hands. It's a victory nobody else has seen. It's a breakthrough that nobody else has experienced. But God called you, David, to this generation, to this moment, to see something you have never seen before. Your friends never experienced it. Other churches never saw it. Other pastors never experienced it. But this church in this season is going to see something happen like never before. If you believe that, clap your hands to the Lord. And give God some praise right now. Tell your neighbor, say, I, I'm about ready to fight right now. i got some adversaries I'm fixing to overcome. Come on, high five them and say, today is the day. Today is the day. I've defeated, I've done victory.